Welcome back to TKW's draft season presented by TKW and Wessel Sports. I am your co-host Jay Ryan, aka Flex Queen, aka I don't even know what else at this point. Uh, joined, of course, by my other co-host Nick. What is going on? What's up? What's up? Yes, I'm doing this from my classroom and very happy to to have something to take my mind off well my classroom. So dope. Um. And we are also joined by a previous draft season guest. We have Dylan Bird on with us. Dylan, how are we doing? I'm good. We got a week until uh, the draft, so it's finally, finally here. <laughs> About to I be. Know. It's crazy. Uh, definitely pumping out some some draft coverage for the remainder of this week and next. Um, I, I have a question for you guys. Do either of you have like some FOMO right now that James Harden's about to demand a trade while we're recording this? Because Oh no. <laughs> I mean, look, they, they just, they just leaked and said that they said that he's quote unquote committed to the Rockets that who knows how long that'll last. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and who knows, you know, is, is Russ coming to the next probably just because so many people don't want it to happen, but it's fine. It's fine. Everything is fine in 2020. Um, anyway, so for this episode, um, we, So originally this was going to be called our late pick point guard episode, which it probably still is, uh, which it, and it, because it still pretty much is minus one player who has seemingly shot up draft boards, but we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Um, Now in, in doing my research for this podcast, I, I realized something. I realized that all six and yes, we were talking about six players this podcast. We're, we're overachievers here at draft season. Uh, we're Wooden Award finalists this year. For those unfamiliar, the Wooden Award is given to the best player in college basketball. Now, the finalist list for this award is pretty large. I think there's 15 players on it every year. Um, but five of these six were also Bob Cousy Award finalists, which there is only five spots on that finalist list and one was the winner um so with all these guys being so good why do we see them mock so low or even not at all in some cases i'd say as with anything it's a mixture of things a lot of these guys are a bit undersized or lack the explosiveness and athleticism teams are always looking for a few of the guys are older four-year players um but I think that just for probability's sake, we're going to look back a year from now and wonder how at least two or three of these guys fell and admire how much they brought to whoever takes a chance on them. And that very well could be the Knicks at 27 or 38. Um, so without further ado, let's get into it. Um, Nick, I think you're going to be driving this first one just because you are our uh, West Coast correspondent, I think, officially. Um uh, and also, you just don't like him, and I think it's funny making you talk about him. Um, so first up, we have Malachi Flynn, who is a 22-year-old, 6'1", obviously point guard. He played two years at Washington State before transferring to San Diego State for one year, where he earned Mountain West Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year. Um, now, first, Nick, do you want to just – talk about why you dislike him because I mean it's it's an okay reason I guess I mean it's an okay reason it's as good a reason <laughs> as as any everybody hates Duke everybody hates Kentucky right I, and I hate both of those teams I'm happy to to join in on on the general hate I'm a Boise State alumni and a diehard Boise State basketball fan we have a, a very heated rivalry with San Diego State and Malachi's Flynn's obnoxious self has been a big part of misery for me in the last two years so He's fantastic, and I don't hate – well, that's not true because I still hate John Shire, you know, many years later. But for the most part, I don't hate mediocre players. I hate good players on teams I don't like. Malachi Flynn is really, really, really good, and I have hated watching him against Boise State. 
I've hated watching him succeed in the Mountain West tournament. I've hated watching him succeed against really every game because I will root against San Diego State against no matter who they play, except maybe Duke. Fair enough, fair enough. I think we need a Duke-San Diego State game to happen just to see your mind absolutely I would melt. lose my mind as a <laughs> North Carolina-Boise State fan. I don't think I could handle that, really. Um, so let's get into it a little bit on Malachi. He played and started in every one of San Diego State's games. He averaged 33 minutes uh, while averaging 44% from the floor. Um 37% from three, 80, nearly 86% from the line, average four and a half rebounds, five assists, almost two steals per game. And that all totaled up to 17.6 points per game. Um, definitely see him as a pick and roll facilitator um, and can be successful with his pull up as well as off the catch. I think his shooting is definitely there. Uh, like I said, 37% from three, 50% from two. Nick, what jumps off it for you? Well, I, I want to preface this a couple of things. I, I do feel like you said it. These, there's a little similarity, and we group these guys for a reason. I think we're going to say a, a lot of the same things about a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But I, I will say, and we've said this before about a few different guys, but he is one of the losers, I think, of the non-tournament. He uh, definitely could have gone Kemba mode, right? Yeah, I, I think in, him being on a on a one seed potential one seed San Diego State team that was going to have their best chance in tournament history, and he would have been leading the way. And again, he is a a player that that demands attention when you watch him. I mean, he does jump off the court, and he is clearly their guy. And you mentioned it. I mean, he is one of the best pick and roll players. I would say in the whole class, as far as both ability to score and facilitate out of the pick and roll. I mean, he's a really, he's not, we have a lot of flashy passers in this, in this draft class. So I'm not going to compare him to the likes of, you know, the, the top point guards, the Lamello and Killian type passing, but a, a really good, a good passer. If you look at, you know, a very versatile passer, you know, things like pocket passes, really proficient, just especially out of the pick and roll. Um, He's the kind of player you just want want running the offense. I mean, he's a high IQ player. He's again very frustrating to watch because he makes plays when when you don't want him to make plays. At least if you're rooting against him. And in my experience, and he's that kind of guy that you don't feel good as a defense with, with the ball in his hand. And that I think will will translate to the NBA. Just the general, you know, the floor general playmaking kind of thing. I I really think. There is, he's just a, such a competent NBA player, like just a, such a competent player out there. And he doesn't seem like a, a low ceiling guy to me. Cause I, I do think the the scoring really adds to what I'm talking about with the general playmaking, but he, yeah. he's that guy that you just trust. And I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at with a lot of these guys that just competency and like just being solid players that, it's I, I feel like you're not really taking too much risk by taking these guys depending on where you take them now speaking on where you draft them I wanted to talk about Malachi first because he is the player as I was mentioning before that has seemingly shot up draft boards um, even for the next wall with 1.0 he was undrafted and then suddenly he went 28th and 21st now that was by Eli both times and Eli has definitely had an affinity for him more so than I think anyone at TKW um so that is something to take into consideration but even in these other mocks like um the ESPN mock draft that just came out uh tonight had him at I don't remember now off the top of my head hold on I'm gonna pull it up here yeah, while while you're doing that, I want to talk a little bit about his defense too. Because one Let's thing that one thing I noticed, I was watching some, I was begrudgingly watching some Malachi Flynn film to to prep for this, <laughs> and I had been looking at some of his, you know, the the profiles out on him. Uh, defensively, he doesn't translate to like a great pro- projection. If you look at the wingspan, um, obviously he's he's not uh, an elite athlete. He's 
but when you watch him play, like it really jumped out at me at just how smart of a defender he is. He just moves a lot. He's super active and a really smart, like help help defender. He doesn't really take a ton of like high risks, but he does make really good gambles in a way that's very noticeable that you see him moving just in, again, he's a very smart player. And defensively, I really see him as a, as a really solid NBA level point guard defender. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now that I have it up, uh, ESPN also has him going 21st to the 76ers, which I think makes sense. I know that they mentioned in their write-up that he has um, – it's helped him that he's work, been working out in Las Vegas where it seems like a lot of people ha- have been working out for the pre-draft process. Um and yeah, I just, I think, again, he's teams, I think are looking for a little bit more um, like, I don't want to say safe, but just with a, a draft class that is so up in the air and so jumbled, um, they're just looking for someone that's solid, really. That's I, I think it's interesting, Jess, and, you know, I'm not the only person to say this, but there's such an emphasis on the low uh star the low star quality in this draft mm-hmm. there's i think other people have said this but you don't necessarily want to be in the top of this draft but the middle of the draft class really projects to be really strong and filled with role players yeah if you look at the guys we've talked about we've done a couple of these kind of high floor guys we did it last time dylan was with us and we, we talked about the, the desmond baines and of the world and we talked about last week with isaiah joe and grant riller there's a lot of guys that I think really you trust to be solid NBA role players. And then you also have your Jaden McDaniels types and your, your kind of high, high ceiling projects. But I do think there are a lot of guys in this draft that would be considered that quote unquote safe mid first pick. Yeah. And look in the draft, you, you don't have to pick a star with every single pick. Like there's, there's 60 picks here. They, you're not going to pick a star every single pick. And sometimes, you know, like you said, you just want to hit those, get those base hits as opposed to, you know, shooting for a home run and missing. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't say of the six guys we're talking about, you're going to go six for six on base hits, but you feel pretty confident that most of them will be, will be good. will be get on base. For sure. For sure. All right, so let's move on to our next guy. Um, next up, we've got Trey Jones out of Duke. He's 6'3", 20-year-old, played two years at Duke. Um, I see the brother of Tyus Jones. Uh, he was named the ACC Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year uh, this past year. He's, I'd say he's a you know, quintessential floor general, definitely a pass-first pick-and-roll facilitator. Um did improve his three-point shooting from year one to year two. Um, Dylan, let's let's throw it to you. What jumps out for you on Trey Jones? So first off, I think that Trey Jones, I think he made a phenomenal decision to return to school for uh, his sophomore year. Obviously, during his freshman year, he was overshadowed by the likes of Zion Williamson and Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett and all those guys who were there. And as a result, Trey, I mean, he didn't get a ton of notice despite being a, you know, a top recruit as well. Only averaged nine and a half, 9.4 points per game his freshman year, 5.3 assists, was really, really good on defense, obviously, like he is good passer, but didn't really get that attention. Didn't also didn't shoot well from three. You mentioned that he improved that three point percentage from his freshman and sophomore year. And then comes, you know, this year when he's trusted more um, to score comes an average of 16.2 points per game, 6.4 assists, 1.8 steals, win defensive player of the year in the ACC as well as player of the year. So this guy's really good. I feel pretty confident that he's one of those uh, high floor type guys in this draft. And while he may be a little bit undersized, I really trust his passing ability. I think he could shoot decently. And I I just think that he's going to be a good backup point guard in this league. Yeah, I think his defense is definitely a plus, obviously, earning defensive player of the year, but just watching 
watching him play. Like he fights over screens really well. He, you don't really notice that he's undersized all the time. I would say just because he moves his body and moves his feet well enough that uh, you're not too worried about that. Uh, like you said, he did, you know, there was that, that huge class at Duke and it was, I mean, I, I forget how late he decided, but it was still a question of whether or not he was going to go into the draft after his freshman year. Um, did play a fewer games this past year. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do think he had a little bit of an injury, but nothing too serious. Um, but let's see. So, yeah, like I said, he improved from three uh, his three-point shooting from year one to year two. Uh, and with that improved his overall field goal percentage. I think that, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it's just another solid guy that um, and I think any team, if they end up picking them with a later pick, like they're not going to be upset about it. For TKW, he went 36, 30, and then not drafted. But let's be real, 3.0 was just insane and crazy. And uh, who? Oh, and also, I should know we also only do the top 40 picks, right, Nick? Is that correct, Nick? So That's correct. Also, I probably should have taken Trey Jones. Uh, <laughs> I believe 38 or 39 that I had for Utah, but I took Yam Madar. Oh, well, because you're you, so it's Wayne fine. Boring. We're going to talk a lot more about him later in the week. But, you know, I would be shocked if, if he didn't go top 40. Yeah. It's like um, a Taylor Swift pop song. Oh, oh dad joke oh that was gross you literally started laughing before you like ended the sentence it's one of the keys to a good dad joke Jess. oh man on that note <laughs> let's stop talking about san diego state and duke shall we i think i think that's good for yeah, all you really us. you really put me in a bad place by asking me to watch <laughs> these guys on film and like, starting the pod with them so i'm, I'm ready to go on to, to guys i enjoy a little more I apologize. All right. So let's go to Cassius Winston, who was a four-year player at Michigan State, uh, started three out of the four years. What'd I do? What's no, I want to give a little clarification. What? There is a difference between Cassius Winston and Cassius Stanley. Did I say Stanley? No, no, you didn't. Oh, every, okay. <laughs> I've heard so many people make that mistake and seen so many people make that mistake. I just fair enough. Especially right after talking about Duke, I just had to kind of okay. Good Sorry, point. now I'm gonna throw you off, I'm sure. Continue. No, you're good. You're good. So he's 22 years old, 6'1. Um, was the Big Ten player of the year as a junior. Um was the wooden award finalist, not only his senior year, but also junior year. And was also the 2019 Big Ten Tournament MVP. Um, I think, you know, we'll get into his stats and things like that. But I think especially this past year with the the personal struggles that he unfortunately went through this past season, we saw uh, some intangible things with him being that team leader and someone that they all seem to kind of rally around, um, especially when something like what happened to him happens. Um, but, uh, you know, just being that team leader and you could tell that like he was just very well respected, not only on his team, but around, around the country. Um, and by like anyone who played, played against him or with him. Um, so he's definitely fits that team leader point guard mold. He can score it from deep for sure. He might not be the most athletically explosive, but with shooting percentages like his, you have to think he he'll find a place wherever he gets drafted to get some buckets. Um, so with that, let's take a look at the numbers real quick. Um, he shot 45% from the floor on 46% from two and 43% from three, 85% from the line, two and a half rebounds, almost six assists um, and a steal per game and finished with 18.6 points per game. Um, the, I think, you know, it's both facilitating and his shooting, right? Like that 43% shooting. And then just looking at his overall numbers across the four years, he averaged 5.2, 6.9, 7.5, 
and then 5.9 assists per game. Um, so he's definitely in that facilitator role as well. Dylan, I know that you watch a lot of Big Ten, uh, especially being a Penn State fan. So what um, what do you see from, from Cassius? Yeah, so I think it's funny, first of all, that Nick said that Malachi Flynn is like, like Cassius Winston to me is basically Malachi Flynn to him. <laughs> oh, I, man, I would, I'm I, just I would, putting you guys through the I, absolute I, worst I, right now. <laughs> Look, I, I, would, I wouldn't say I hate Cassius Winston at all. It's just I've watched this guy pretty much dominate the Big Ten for years. And just want to point out that I was so early, earlier in the, in the season, Penn State actually went to East Lansing, beat Michigan State on the road. And then when they came in early March to State College, Penn State was up by 15 points in the first half, 46 to 31. Michigan State outscored them 48 to 25 in the second half and Penn State took an L there probably you know because Cassius Winston's just one of those guys who he's a team leader he's somebody who you could always feel confident in when he has the ball in his hands and I think that's really big especially for if you're looking at a second round pick where half these guys you're basically just drafting on potential Cassius Cassius Winston's a guy that I'm pretty confident will stick around in the league just because he could shoot while he may be a little bit undersized while he may not be that explosive he could shoot he could pass really really well and I think he just he's just like a guy who could just lead a lead a team well and I think that he's everything you want in a second round pick a guy who you feel like could be a contributor for sure Absolutely. Um, Nick, what are some of your favorite parts about Cash's game? I I think what you were talking about would be like, because I'm going to be honest, all of these guys, there's differences between each of them. And there are things that I think, you know, make some better than others. But I think the the leadership and the off the court stuff, I'm I'm very impressed by. Yeah, and absolutely. I think that's something that, especially for a team like the Knicks, that is both young and kind of clueless, if we're being honest. Like, there's not a real central core of what they're going to look like, other than, you know, the hope of building around RJ and Mitch. You want guys that are, are high-character guys. You want guys that are going to be able to to help lead the team and, and be good locker room presence and – I, th- I think that's as big a, a selling point for me as anything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So looking at um, TKW's mock drafts, again, we only do top 40, but he went 37th, 34th, and not drafted. Um, and again, that – He's just Nick, like you said, like we were saying, like that leadership thing. And I think, um, and we can get into it a little bit more once we talk about all these guys. But even if the Knicks were to take a point guard with that first pick, uh, with their eighth pick, um, I wouldn't hate drafting another point guard if it was a guy like Cassius Winston, just to have, like you're saying, like have that uh he's not a veteran but feels like a veteran presence um Dylan I think you brought this up before we started recording like a Jalen Brunson type of player um where and I think you can say this about all these guys where you know a little bit undersized a little bit underlooked and then all of a sudden he's playing a big role in big games and big situations um I have no problem at imagining that for Cassius yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, I think that all these guys fit that mold of like guys who are so great in college, but fall in the NBA, you know, in the NBA draft, I should say, for reasons that are all similar here, undersized, not crazy athletic. But I think that a lot of these teams try to hit the home run um, at every pick. And I don't necessarily think it's completely necessary to try and hit a home run when you could get one of these guys that you feel pretty confident in and they're probably going to contribute. So maybe it's better in the second rounds. And we spoke about this so many times, maybe it's better to hit a single or double in the second round if you're the Knicks and not go for a guy who's going to be out of the league in two or three years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so just, yeah, again, the- that was my, my pick in the, 
the last TKW mock was what then Yam Madar, who we'll talk about, who I really like and think could be a really good NBA player, but also I don't think would be shocked if he never came over. Mm-hmm. And you take a guy like that in the in the second round, or you take one of these guys who is projects pretty solidly to a backup point guard. I mean, I think some of these guys have starter potential. And of course, anything can happen. Guys can end up out of the league, but I think they're all pretty much, you know, solid backup point guard projections, which in the second round is is a solid thing. That's a position that teams need filled. Absolutely. Um, so for the sake of time, let's keep it moving. Um, this next guy, he he might be my favorite on the list. Um, I don't know. Well, I'll think about it once we get through them all. But so this next player is Devin Dotson. He's a 20-year-old, 6'2", two-year starter out of Kansas. Um, he was first team Big 12 this past year. Uh, for me, he was just one of the most enjoyable players to watch in college this year. Um, I think Kansas's game in Maui versus Dayton really, really opened my eyes to him. Granted, I was watching that game mostly for Obi Toppin, um, but came away just really, really impressed with Devin Dotson. Um, um, let me talk about that game quickly just while I'm on the topic, and then we can get to him overall. Um, so it was a 90 to 84 win in overtime against Dayton. Uh, it was for the championship uh, in Maui, and he played all 45 minutes. He shot 69% from the field on 71% from two and 50% from three. That was only one of two from three. Um, was eight for 10 from the line. Had six rebounds, four assists, five steals, 31 points. Um, for me, I think part of the reason why he was so enjoyable was because of how quick he is. He just has this other gear that is really incredible to watch. He loves driving and drawing fouls, which I really like out of a, you know, lead guard. Um, his interior scoring is definitely his main draw, and he definitely needs to work on his shooting, especially off the dribble. And I would say he has a little bit of that Luis Mendoza in him, Nick. Uh, the sometimes too quick for his own good, right? Yeah, that's um, my, my favorite comparison for any <laughs> job prospect is. <laughs> Absolutely. Good game star, Luis Mendoza. Um, I think it's interesting you mention him because I think when we're talking about these guys that are the safer picks, right? Mm-hmm. Typically with a, a point guard and almost all of them in one way or another, what we're talking about, is they're all smaller. They're all not the most athletic, bursty type, but the playmaking is there and the shooting is there, right? With the earlier guys we were talking about and the later guys we're going to talk about are very much shooting based. And I would like to see some more, you know, like Malachi Flynn, I think would benefit from, from attacking the rim more, at least would have in college. I, I like that Dotson is a little different in that Dotson can attack a little more. And I, I do really like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dylan, what, what uh, do you like from Devin? I think that Dotson, he's probably the guy I like the most out of all these guys. I think he probably has the most upside. And I think the reason why is because he's one, he's the youngest. And two, he does have the athleticism and I should say quickness that a lot of these guys don't have. Um, Now, the one place that I think he needs to improve on um, in order to take his game to the next step is shooting. I mean, he only shot around 31%, not even from three um, this past year. Um, which was down from 36.3% in his freshman year. Um, so I think that Dotson needs to improve as a shooter. But like you said, he's a guy that does go to the rim um, a decent amount. Drew, uh, he had 5.7 free throws, free throw attempts per game um, in his sophomore year, which was increased from 4.1 in his freshman year. So I think that Dotson is the guy who's a little bit different than the rest. And But I think it's for a good reason. Um, I think, I really think Dotson could, could be could be could turn into a starter in the in the league and i think that he's probably one of my top targets for the knicks whether that be a 27 or 38 out of you know out of, out of anybody not just the guys that we're talking about today for sure and nick you had the knicks in 1.0 right for the for our mock draft 
Yeah, I took Dotson. Right, and I think um, in that draft as a whole, I mean, you took, I think it was Vassell, Isaiah Joe, and Dotson. What a good uh, draft. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm pretty sure all of us would be ecstatic for that draft as long as, you know, and Dylan, you did call it. They're saying that that shop from Devin Vassell, he was just messing around. So yeah, you called it. Look, that's what guys do in the open. <laughs> him. You never know. <laughs> but so going back to Devin Dotson, you know, taking him at 38, again, love love that for the Knicks. Um, and then in 2.0 and 3.0, he went 40th and 39th. So it was pretty much a consensus from TKW that he would be going in that range. And, yeah, he's just, like you guys said, he's a little bit different than the rest of these guys, and maybe that is why I like him a little bit more than them, uh, than the rest of them. But um, I, I do do wish he had a little bit more of a shot, but you would think, you know, we always look at that free throw percentage to see how that projects, and it is at 83%. So. Uh, this past year so you hope that kind of correlates to to a little bit better shooting um once he gets the nba um who knows and i think all these guys also um i guess except for malachi flynn since he's already getting higher up on mock boards but and i don't know if all of them would have gone to a combine but i think if they had it, there would have been potential for them to show out for them and, and, and jump up a little bit more. What do you guys think about that, about, you know, missing out on a combine type of thing? So I actually, I actually saw a tweet. I'm not sure what drill it was, but Dotson did lead in like, you know, they've been doing the drills, like, yeah, abilities. he lead, he led by a decent amount in one of like the speed drills. Right. Um, I mean, that's just like you said, the quickness is off the charts. So I think he's helping himself there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So we have two more players to get to. So next up, we have. If I, I'm trying to think here. I think this is the only player in this list that I actually got to see in person. Um, so it's Peyton Pritchard from Oregon. Oregon came to MSG and played in the 2K Classic last year. Um, so got to see that live. He was the Pac-12 Player of the Year and the Bob Cousy Award winner his senior year for being the best point guard. Uh for the 1920 season he's a 22 year old 6-2 four-year starter at Oregon minus like four games his freshman year um and his sophomore year that was the Oregon team that made it to the national semifinals um so that's that's definitely something to note um when I think of Pritchard again he's just solid 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 right like he's that steady presence that you can rely on to facilitate for your team and also gives effort on the defensive end um he's yeah. oh go ahead nick I, I i think he's definitely the whitest of these guys <laughs> uh, as i was just about to say he's a knockdown shooter uh right the shooting he's crafty hard working you know first guy in last guy out kind of kind of guy <laughs> Tough as nails. What other tropes? Coach, I'm sure, I don't know if he's a coach's son, but I'm sure he's a coach's son. He feel he feels like a coach's <laughs> son. Feels like a coach's son for sure. Um, and I also think he's he's built to be that off the bench spark plug for someone. He just seems to kind of fit that mold for me. Um, so looking at the stats, uh, 47% from the field on 51%. Uh, from two and 41% from three, 82% from the line, four rebounds, five and a half assists, one and a half steals per game, and 20 and a half points per game his senior year. Um, kind of see a Fred Van Vliet comp a little bit. Uh, what do you guys think about that? 
I just actually was, I was doing my research before this and I saw someone on Twitter that's com- compared both their like profiles. So I think it's interesting you brought that up because I literally just saw that like oh, that's funny. an hour and a half ago. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Peyton Pritchard may go, he may go undrafted. Um, that's definitely a possibility. I think that his stock may be the lowest out of everyone we're talking about. Maybe Marcus Howard, who we're about to talk about after this, but um, I think that if he is, I mean, if he is taken, it'll probably be late second round. A team will probably just, you know, be like taking almost, I, I don't want I don't even want to say a flyer because I don't feel like these guys are flyers. Like these guys are good. They could probably contribute in some capacity. Um, but yeah, I think that his production speaks for itself in college. I mean, it's no fluke putting up 20 and a half points, five and a half assists. And he always just seems like that guy who's if he, one of those guys that seems like he's been in college basketball forever and just giving teams problems ever since. So, I mean, the guy, the guy, the guy could, the guy could score. He could really shoot shot over. He shot 41% from 41.5%. I should say from three on 6.8 attempts uh, in his senior year. And that's really, really good. Um, So I think, I, I hope he gets a chance somewhere. I think he, he, I think he will, whether it's undrafted or late second round. So if the Knicks, I don't think the Knicks would consider him, at 38 where they have the pick early second round. But if they were to get him undrafted, I'd be definitely intrigued for sure. I want to talk about that shoot, those shooting numbers you just gave Dylan, because 41% is very impressive for anybody, but it's on a, a a pretty high volume, decently high volume with the six attempts per game. Right. And the degree of seven attempts and the degree of difficulty is what, what makes those numbers impressive to me. He's got range. Like he can, he pulls from deep. He, he took, you know, he garnered a lot of defensive attention and he still shot 41% with, with the bulk of defenses, you know, game planning and knowing that he's going to be shooting. And he really can hit some difficult shots in a way that kind of, you know, is, is very impressive just as an observer. Yeah. For, I think you bring up a good point about the fact that you know, anytime, anytime you see a guy shoot shooting over forty percent, I always look. All right, all right. Like, it was that was that forty percent on one attempt a game, or was it on uh, a lot more than that? And to see almost seven attempts per game and still keeping that high shooting number, really impressive. And you bring up a great point about just, I mean, how many he, he he's probably the focal point of every single game plan um, opposing for the opposing team. So it, it is impressive. Absolutely. I mean. Who do I mean? I guess Oregon had um, Bull Bull at one point, right? Yeah, and but even that, like Bull Bull played like nine games. Exactly, Um, and it's. I just think again, we keep talking about it, and if he goes undrafted, I think whoever picks him up is going to be happy. Um, If he doesn't stick in the NBA. He'll definitely be a very good overseas player. Um, but I just – I hope that he lands somewhere, even if it is undrafted, just that shooting ability. And he definitely gets into gets into guys defensively too. Um, has that upside, I think. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It, it, all these guys, like we're saying, you hope that um, – Someone's just trying to take a solid player. Now for TKW, he went non-drafted twice, went 39th in 2.0. Again, we only do the top 40 there, but who who really knows? It's going to be interesting. I mean, to tell you the truth, looking at some mock drafts, we get to the end of the second round and like, even I don't know who some of these dudes are. So I I have no problem admitting that. and not to say that they're not better than Peyton Pritchard because I don't know them. It's just I know what teams are getting out of Peyton Pritchard, I guess. Um, but anyway, let's let's get to our, our final guy. Um, and this, this is just a very weird one for me just because of how much scoring he put up in his four years in college. So that's Marcus Howard. He's a 5'11", 21-year-old from Marquette, uh, played there for four years, was the Big East player of the year, his junior year. I I don't know. It's just – it seemed like, especially his junior year and senior year, although 
senior year, Marquette definitely had a down year, partly because the two housers um, transferred, transferred away. And there was a chance that Marcus Howard was going to leave after his junior year because, I mean, people were calling for him to be a player of the year um, candidate. Can I just say that I don't know if I've ever looked forward to an individual matchup in college basketball as much as the Marcus Howard, John Morant tournament game? Absolutely. That game was unreal. And it ended up being like a 20-point win for Murray State or whatever it ended up being. I have 19 points. But, man, just the first half of that and just the general, like, these guys can do whatever they want on the court and nobody can stop them and they have to do it against each other. Just, Just beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to going to keep it a buck like he would just take the ball and overtake games. Right. But, you know, he scored 50 points in a game three straight seasons, making him only the third player to ever do that. I know the two other one of the guys I didn't even recognize another guy was Pistol Pete. So, I mean, I'll take that. Um, He's also the Big East all time leading scorer in league games. Um, I get that it's not always the most efficient uh, in some games, um, but flat out, dude gets buckets. Um, so, but overall, uh, you know, he shot, he had 19 field goal attempts per game. Uh, so through that, he shot 42, 42% from the field on 43% from two, 41% from three on 10 attempts per game. Um had it was about an 85% from the line on eight, 8.6 per, uh, attempts per game, excuse me. Uh, three and a half rebounds, three assists, nearly a steal per game, averaged 27.8 points per game. Again, Marquette wasn't that great this year, um, this past year, which feels like was two years ago at this point. But it's just for a guy that can score that much, I'm just – I'm kind of shocked at how many boards he's just completely off of. Um, You want to, you want to talk about a guy who, who, who shoots, uh, who shoots the three efficiently, despite having a million attempts per game. It's Marcus (laughs) Howard with 10.1 attempts per game, as you mentioned, 41.2% from three Marcus Howard. I mean, he's one of these guys that because he's 5'11, 180, teams are going to look at him and be like, no way I'm taking him. But if you have a pick in the second half of the second round, there's no reason why you shouldn't be willing to take this guy. I mean, I think at worst, I mean, like if, if he ends up in the league, if he ends up sticking in the league, he's going to, he's going to be a guy that could score off the bench, like undoubtedly. And even if, even if he's not the and I mean, he's not going to be the guy who's averaging 27 points a game, but even if you just put him in a role where, he's not even creating, just give him, just let him shoot. You know, like, I mean, the, the big concern is the size, but if you just give this guy shot attempts off the bench, I mean, the numbers don't lie. Don't, don't lie. Like he shot that well on that many attempts. And it was actually, he shot over 40% every single year he's played at Marquette. So his junior year shot 40.3% from three. Um, then his sophomore year shot 40.4% from three freshman year shot 40, shot 54.7% from three. So this the guy could flat out shoot the three. Um, I don't, I, if you have, if, if the Knicks were to somehow pick up a pick um, at the end of the second round, whether that be through trade or whatever, I, I, I don't mind this pick at all. I think that Howard could stick in the league just as like a spot shooter or bench scorer. Just come off the bench, hit a few threes in MSG and sit back down and call it a day. Exactly. <laughs> Give it that's to me. All, I would I would love that. That's all we want. I don't think that's too much to ask for. But well, let's transition a little bit to to the Knicks specifically, especially since we've been talking about these two later picks that they have. Um now maybe again Malachi Flynn doesn't fit into this as much, but out of these guys because they are so similar, who who would you want the, the Knicks to take? I'm going to refer to I, – I think I had my pick of any of them during the the TK1 Mach 1. Mm-hmm. And I, I went Dotson, and I, I think I'm going to stick with that. 
he's not my personal favorite of them, but I, I do think he's what the Knicks are looking for the most of these guys. I would also take Dotson. I yeah. like I think I think like pretty head and shoulders above all the others also. But I like like we said, there is a slight difference between him and a few others solely because athletic or quickness purposes and just the fact that he's a couple years younger as well. Yeah. Also, we, we've talked about the idea of a guy that we talked about on the podcast last week. If they went Kira Lewis, I don't think I would want Dotson. I I think then I, I may prefer one of the older um, guys that gives you something a little different, the shooting, the defense, but especially if they, if they don't go guard with, in the with um with eight then i i would really like dotson yeah I, I agree with that yeah that makes sense i like i said before i think even if they do go guard at eight um unless as you're saying you know it's kira eight and you don't want to go dotson in almost any other scenario i don't hate still taking someone like Cassius Winston with one of those later picks, even if you already picked a point guard, just to have, like we're talking about, that not um, not a vet, but feels like a vet type of presence. Um, I don't, I don't hate that at all. Um, and now, especially, and I know Nick, this is what you want the Knicks to do if they go wing with that eight pick. Getting one of these guys, I think, is pre- almost necessary. I would say. Yeah, I would be pretty surprised if, let's say, the pick is Vassell at eight. I would be pretty surprised if it's not one of these guys at, at 27 or 38. Mm-hmm. Well, that being said, the draft is always weird once it hits the late first, late first, and early <laughs> and, second. And like, and we could, and I mean, like, I, I, I clearly remember like when I don't know why this is coming to my mind, but because it really happens every year, but. When Larry Nance got drafted, I remember he wasn't even like on my like I didn't even know who he was. And like okay, yeah. from, from Wyoming, they're like, and I'm like, what the heck, what is going on here? <laughs> so that I mean that you get you get a few of those picks every year. So and, I think that if the Knicks could easily just turn around at 27 or hopefully it's 38 and not 27, where they're just like, we're just gonna take our guy because this is our only pick in the second round, and it's the only time we could do it. And and conversely, we've talked about this is a weird draft. There's a lot of variance for a lot of guys. And I do think there are a couple positions, point guard in particular, where if a guy doesn't go early, right, if LaMelo falls, then maybe all the point guards fall a little bit, that kind of thing, where, like, a guy we've talked about, Tyrell Terry, could he fall a little bit, or do the Knicks make a move to take a guy like him or Kira if they, if they slip into the 20s? I, I think there's a lot of options for what the Knicks could do. In any, in any draft, there's a lot of variety, and this draft is, seems predict, predict, yeah, predictably unpredictable. Right, everybody's kind of expecting this to be a little chaotic between the trades, trading down, trading up. So we don't know what will happen, but I I do think that from a logical standpoint, there this is a need for the Knicks, and these are all guys that could help in in some capacity. And I think we've also talked about some other guys on previous podcasts that fit into this. Someone like a Grant Riller, I think, also fits in this kind of mold as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Riller, Riller is a guy I like, and I, I've seen mocks like the last few days of him even sneaking into the first round. So I think hopefully another guy that could kind of fly up boards at the last minute here. Yeah, it it's going to be interesting. I'm honestly just ready for it to happen. I just need to know. I just need to know. I need to skip to the end and know what happens because all this waiting has been been crazy. But it's also crazy because it's it's not just the draft, right? It's free agency and it's you know the the trade window opening up and and there's going to be a lot happening i i mean i also wouldn't be surprised if maybe the knicks don't have all these picks or they add a pick or literally anything um it's going to be interesting um all right so i think that's all i have for our got all these guys do you do either of you have anything to add I think we're good i think we we got it all six six player podcast who says we don't overachieve here at draft season um but yeah so let's just uh 
let's get into the shout outs here. Dylan, we can find you at sports underscore bird. Is that correct? Yep. Dope. Got some master's coverage going on right now, which is yep, pretty I, cool. I do. Yep. On my YouTube channel as well. So master's master's coming up and I'm excited for that as a huge golf fan. So awesome. Um, Nick, I know you just dropped part one of an international um series that you're doing part one of two i believe yeah so and, and we'll have the accompanying pod we're gonna we're gonna do soon to to go with it on the five guys that i cover in this series part one just dropped um this week so check that out on teo maladon and landro balmero guys that are a little bit of the opposite of late first round guards that are maybe a little more high upside a little a little more of a risk than the guys we're talking about today and then part two will be coming out, I believe, early next week. And that's on a couple guys you may not have heard of. Paulie Boa, Abdullah, Ndoi, and my guy, Jan Madar, who's another one that, you know, if a team wants to take a risk in the second round on a point guard, maybe you take a, a guy like Madar and, instead of one of these guys we're talking about. So you can read more about them next week. Cool. And then make sure you all are following the next wall on Twitter on Instagram, and then also make sure you're following us on Twitch. Um, the plan is to go live for the draft. Um, still working out the exact specifics. I can pretty much uh, guarantee that I will be on there for the duration of the draft and hopefully have you guys on with me, have a couple more TKW people on with me uh, throughout the night um you will inevitably see me cry it's fine um my goal is to become a meme perhaps you know I think that's a good goal to have um but yeah other than that uh we got Dylan's Twitter in there Nick is at not the fake NC with the underscores I am at jron44 make sure you're following all of us make sure you're following TKW uh we still got more draft stuff coming out uh with a week to go just uh, trying to pump out as much as we can nope. for you guys. Mailbag coming too. Mail. Oh right, mailbag. Good call. So, uh, make sure you guys are on the lookout. Uh, we're gonna send it out on Twitter, asking for your questions for our last iteration of this draft season. Um, I, w- I want so- some weird questions too. I want some <laughs> some deep draft stuff. Deep draft stuff, and yeah, just like. Especially since I think the plan is we'll we'll open it up on a, the weekend and then like Monday or Tuesday we'll answer them, giving us a little bit of time to do our research if necessary. So and I'm definitely. gonna give a little a, a little suggestion um, if anybody wants. They don't have to. They're, they're the listeners, but it, we have already compared a couple of prospects to Luis Mendoza. If anybody <laughs> wants to see what other prospects we we compare to the Junior Goodwill Games. Um, Ice ice hockey team from Mighty Ducks D2. You know, that's a question you could throw out there. Something. Yeah. Give us give us any and all weird ones. I'm I'm here for it. Um, but yeah, that is all from us. So we will catch you all next time. <laughs>